0: hi this is john barnes and you're listening to cop
1: i'm herdsman of a flock the sheep are my thoughts and my thoughts are all sensations i think with my eyes and my ears and my hands and feet and nostrils and mouth to think a flower is to see and smell it To eat a fruit is to sense its savour. And that is why, when I feel sad, In a day of heat because of so much joy, And lay me down in the grass to rest and close my sun-warmed eyes, I feel my whole body relaxed in reality, And know the whole truth. And am happy. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you spicy nub of ginger. My name's Owen and you've just heard a poem called The Herdsman by Fernando Pessoa as translated by Edward Roditi. You can follow us on Twitter at Cop on Podcast. You can send us your Christmas lists to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. You can also do what Simon and Robert have done this week and support us on Patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast for as little as one US dollar per month. It's cheaper than chips for you, but it gives us immeasurable pleasure. So thanks very much to them and indeed all of our patrons and indeed thanks to all of you listeners, for doing what you're rumoured to be so very good at doing, listening. Without any further ado then, let's do to this episode what someone with something really exciting to say does to a monotonous chat between two other family members, and immediately jump right in there. Enjoy! So here I am, this time thrilled, this time overjoyed, this time wonderfully wonderfully ecstatic to be joined by uh, Doug from the Dugout YouTube channel. If you don't know the Dugout YouTube channel then you are missing out on something that could become an important part of your life because it's absolutely superb footy chat. Um, I'm here with uh, Brian who's joined us from Hong Kong and from uh, with Jamie who's joined us from Liverpool um absolutely fantastic to be joined by you three thank you very much we're going to jump straight into question, questions from the listeners um joan in sweden uh, got in touch uh, thank you for getting in touch joan i love receiving um you know questions from from all of you all of you beautiful listeners out there joan asks um is there any way back for devokerigi what would he need to do to get back in, into the team? Now, I'm going to ask this question. You, I'm going to forbid the idea of talking about that, the fact that we've already talked about in Copon that Divock is probably not at the level that we require. We've sort of outgrown him. We've talked about this a number of times on Copon, But what I'm going to say is specifically Johan's question. What would he need to do to force his way back into, you know, the team or even occasional substitute appearances, and I'm going to go to Jamie uh, for this first question.
2: I don't think there's anything that Divock can do himself um, for him to get a chance in this team again. The the way we played have to change again. Um, you know, when we when he was at his best for Liverpool, which was early Klopp. Um, we played a different system. We played, it was a little bit more four-two-three-one, 2 three, one, um, And he was sort of the main focal point of the attack. So I, I don't think there's anything he can do personally. You know, he's not that, he's never going to be the type of player that fits into our system. Um, so, you know, there's not, like I say, there's not really much he can do if I'm being, if I'm being totally honest. Um, Yeah,
1: it's, for me, it, it's really about his his first touch and his all round um, game that would need to improve a lot. And it doesn't seem like at the age he is now. I believe he's he's twenty six, but I'm going to check that. Um, uh, yeah, so he was born on the April the eighteenth, nineteen ninety five. So he's still only twenty five. But at that age, you don't often. Improve your first touch. So I think that would be that would be the main thing for me. Um, but I mean, as we always say, always a legend. OK, the next question is from Brian. All of the next questions are from Twitter. So do follow us at Cop on Podcast if you don't already. Brian Burgess asks, how likely is it that we will recruit a centre back in January? Um and it's a very interesting question I think because it had you asked this two weeks ago, we would have said, Well, of course we need one, but you know, given the present form, I don't know. Do you think anything's changed, Doug? Or do you think you know, we'll we'll you know, we're bound to recruit a centre back in January? Um
3: uh, it's a really difficult one. I mean, like, I know there's been, you know, talk about obviously Kabak from, you know, Schalke. And then, like, obviously, you you put the poll up uh, a couple of days ago, obviously, about Upper Meccano, Kabak, um, uh, and Schurz as well. Um, I actually think, looking at our squad situation and the fact that we've had Fabinho and Matip playing really well, I don't think we will go for a centre back in January. Um, I just. I think the youngsters could could step up. You know, your Reece Williams, you know Nathaniel Phillips. I think we're pretty pretty okay for you know centre backs at the at this moment. So I don't think we would go for a centre back in January. No,
1: that's very interesting. Um, would you agree with that, Brian or Jamie, or would you would you disagree with Doug? Doug's saying we don't need one. He's got faith in Reece Williams and Nat Phillips or Nate Phillips.
2: I think it depends on what happens with Leipzig in the Champions League. If Leipzig go out of the Champions League, I think there's a, a solid chance we move for Pekamano. Because I, I think the interest seems genuine um, from all the rumours that you see. But if they stay in the Champions League, I don't think they'll want to let him go. And I don't think um, he's the sort like, like Timo Werner is who'll just get off on them like he did. Um, I think he'll want to stay around and see that out with Leipzig. Um, the only way we move for a centre half if someone exceptional becomes available. Um, we're not gonna move for a stop gap. I think that's pretty pretty certain. Um so it's it depends what happens, well, this this week, isn't it? Um to Leipzig V Man United um a shootout, isn't it, to see who goes through. Um uh, so yeah, I think it depends on that.
1: It's a great answer. Yeah, I I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's a really good point uh, regarding, yeah, uh, Dayot Upamecano, um, wonderful talent. He won that poll that Doug referred to uh, that I put on Twitter. Um, Very scientific. Uh, I believe about 40% of you wanted to see Diot Upamecano over about 27% for Scherz. And the other one was not Kabak, it was Konate, uh, who is also at Leipzig. Um, I think only about whatever is left. 27%, 46%, 27%, 46%, so about, I don't know, another 25% wanted him or something. I don't know. Don't quote me on my maths. Absolutely not my favourite subject. Um, Brian, um, uh, this is a, another very interesting question. Bailey Milligan asks on Twitter, what's our best midfield when everyone is fit?
0: Um, well, I, for me, it's very straightforward. If uh, everybody's fit, it's Gini, Tiago, and Hendo. Uh, you know because I as as we've discussed many times on on the pods I see Fabinho as a centre back now um and considering Verge is out for most likely the vast majority of the season I can't if he's fit I can't see him being deployed um anywhere else uh, unless you know under extreme circumstances um in terms of centre backs I completely agree with Jamie's assessment as well I think depending on how that game plays out uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we dipped in um, for that guy um, but yeah no I think you know it's it's hard to argue against for me anyway Genie Hendo and Tiago when they're fit.
1: I like the way you said that guy to avoid uh, tr- even trying to pronounce his name well done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, he's he hasn't impressed me that much when I've seen him only a couple of times this season, Upamecano, He wouldn't be top of my list. I thought Scherz was absolutely fabulous, but then I don't watch enough of other football. I did have a deep dive into some stats to try and do some scouting because I had uh, two hours of my life free last week, which is really unusual. Uh, so I use that, of course, to scout uh, fbref.com, that absolutely wonderful site for for players and I did identify there are there are some of them if you look at them I don't know there there are basically a number of center backs who who are you know not talked about they're not in that poll uh, that I put on on Twitter and they they they're posting very interesting stats in terms of um you know okay you can look at tackles one but you know in terms of um uh, pass completion rate and you know the types of passes, longer passes. That's something that we've missed since Virgil's gone. Is is long passes out from the back? Um, it's uh, and uh, yeah. Re- regarding the best midfield when everyone's fit, I mean Brian just went straight in there. It's easy for Brian. It's Genie, uh, Hendo, and and Tiago because is a centre back. I one hundred percent agree with you there, Brian. Um. Would anybody disagree, Doug or Jamie? I take your silence as a no. Oh, yes, go on.
3: First things first, you, you said on the Cop Council, and I remember you saying it, Fabinho should be Liverpool's second-choice centre-back. And me and Connor just looked at you, and I have to say, I have to apologise now in advance that you were right so, literally, we need, to get, we need to now get people to start chipping away at a statue for Owen Thomas outside Anfield for even suggesting Fabinho as, as a centre-back. For me, <laughs> Fabi- Fabinho has been absolutely fantastic, solid as a rock at centre-back. And you think about the strikers that he's had in his pocket. Timo Werner, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, um, Huntelar the other night as well. Um, I mean there's, there's loads Jamie Vardy um, last week as well and like last night obviously you know Podence as well so you have to say that Fabinho for me uh, and probably every Raider in the world I actually think now he is probably our our great choice at centre back
1: well thank you very much yeah I mean you know feel free to make a statue of me uh, not necessarily outside Anfield but uh, you know wherever you like in your garden uh, in your bathrooms uh, wherever you like um, very good we're going to talk about uh, more about Fabinho and all of the players um, based on yesterday's we're recording this yesterday's match against Wolverhampton Wanderers that lovely soul-warming 4-0 victory for for Jürgen's uh, roller you know combine harvester yeah um, it's back but there are two more questions from, from the listeners which I'm very happy to ask you um the next one is uh, and I'm going to get back to you Doug on this um why doesn't Genie sign the contract we're getting towards January where he will be able to sign a pre-agreement with and I imagine there are tons of clubs who want him but why doesn't he just stay with us and sign the contract that's from Apollo Cardona thank you very much Apollo
3: oh honestly like I I I reckon I reckon it's done I, re- I reckon there's something going on behind the scenes, and I think that Genie will sign a new deal. Uh, it's quite, it's quite funny because everyone seems to be doing the Genie celebration now uh, as well. I think, I think that's going to be in most people's uh, heads, and you know, people wanting to do that Genie celebration. It, it was, it's just a fantastic celebration. But I thought, I think Genie Van Alden has been absolutely outstanding this season, so I don't see why he would want to leave. You look at his you look at the smile on his face last night, like that was a fantastic goal that he scored last night. And I mean, who, who would who would want to go to Barcelona right now? They've just lost to Cadiz two one in La Liga at the week at the weekend. And, you know, Barcelona are so unpredictable as well. And and, and to be honest, I, I think Genie Van Alden did the right thing and not moving to no, I'm moving to Barcelona because um, look, look what he's done at Liverpool. He's been absolutely fantastic. But I, I, my, my initial thoughts about Genie is I think he will sign the contract. I think something is done, he will sign very, very soon.
1: I love that optimism. Um, I don't claim to be one of these ITK people, um, but I did hear a rumour from someone who worked in, in the game So this is you could take take it or leave it or leave it. I really don't care, Um, but that Genie. It was it was all pretty much done and agreed that he would join Barcelona, but they pulled out because they simply couldn't afford it in terms of COVID and their disastrous transfer policy, and they had all of these all of this infighting going on as well at, at board level and things like that. Basically, they pulled out of the deal because they couldn't afford him. Now, we are in um, December. We're just a few weeks away from January. I don't think anything's changed in terms of Barcelona's finances. Um, I think the whole world can see as they sit in ninth position in La Liga, having played 10-1-4 Drawn two and lost four. So they've only won four out of ten games on 14 points. If they win their two games in hand, they can be maximum of fifth in the league. It's absolute disaster for Barcelona. And I don't think anything's changed in terms of Barcelona can't afford him. But then... If he's on a free, maybe they can. This is the thing. This is what worries me, what is actually keeping me awake. I was awake at five o'clock this morning having nightmares, tossing and turning about Genie. Will he sign? Will he not? Because they could probably afford him on a free to afford the extra couple of million that they would have to pay in, in terms of a signing on fee. But Ronald Coomer might not have his job by the end of the season. Um, Barcelona is a massive rebuilding project. And Doug, as you say... Um, Why would you want to join a team that that needs such a big um, rebuilding project, if you're talking about football? Now I can see that Genie he's been with us for a number of years now. Um, We absolutely adore him, one and all. Um, He might be tired of the weather, for example. He might be tired of, um, I don't know, it could be anything, His, his family might want to change of scene. It could be anything. There are lots of other factors that, that might play into a move um, or he might just want to play further forward. It's really interesting, but, you know, it's a great question. Thank you very much, uh, Apollo, for that one. Um, the next question uh, from the Anfield chat on Twitter. Thank you very much to them. Um, who? And it's a sad question we're going to get into before the happiness of talking about the positive from yesterday. Um, uh, Jamie Who's the best man at this stage? Who's the best man to replace Klopp in
2: twenty twenty four? It's a it's a real difficult question that because you don't know where the game will be in four years. You know, um, you know. For example, the game's completely different. You know, I think to Even when when Klopp joined Liverpool five years ago, you know, so you see the evolution of the game from twenty fifteen to twenty twenty. What's it going to be from 2020 to 2024? You know, how how, how will the game be played? Um, what position will the club be in? What position will all the managers be in? You know, the romantic, I think, in everyone wants uh, Stevie Gerrard to go win three league titles in the at R- Rangers and then come to Um But will that be the best option at the time? Y- you don't know. Um, if <laughs> It's really tough. Um, it depends on the trajectory of, of of some managers. There's a few young managers out there at the minute. Um, a couple I don't want to see in the frame at all um, is, and and it, he's been mentioned a couple of times. People like Nagelsmann, um, who I can't stand the sight of.
1: What what have we got against
2: Nagelsmann? Oh, he's just a bit of a divvy, isn't he when he <laughs> brought his when he brought his. Um, he was manager of Hoffenheim, wasn't he in that qualifier? And he was a bit of a divvy then.
1: Um, I can't remember what what was he doing he was just sort of acting like a child sort of on he's the... just got
2: a really bad touchline manner and, and I'm just not a fan of not a fan of him um, and there's another young manager as well his name escapes me there's there's a couple um, in that mould um, but it depends like I say it depends on trajectory of, of young managers that are out there you know there might be someone that comes to the fore in a couple of years time that that we didn't know about you know um, who suddenly gets on this trajectory? You know, um, there's, a, there's a couple of candidates. You know, Lucy and Favre. Although he's not doing, he's not pulling up any trees at Dortmund at the minute. Um, he was, he was actually linked with the job the first time round when Klopp, when Klopp got it. I saw le- names too, Favre. Um, he's not quite got on the trajectory people thought he would. Um, but no, there's not really any outstanding candidates. I mean, who would? To flip the question back, if Klopp resigned tomorrow, all right, we don't want to think about that. If Klopp resigned tomorrow, who would you, who would you go out and get? Who who'd be the man right now?
1: It's between two for me. It's between two. It's either Pep Linders or Linders. I don't know how you pronounce it. Excuse me, or um, Stephen Gerrard. Uh, yeah, right now because what I would do. People, I understand why people... I have the same reservation as everyone else as to why we shouldn't sign Stephen Gerrard because it would just be like a romantic signing. But what the problem with the romantic signing is, is not the signing itself, it's what you do afterwards. Now, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Graham Souness are two examples where managers outstayed their welcome for sentimental reasons, right? Where, you know, whereas... I think if Steven Gerrard was were to come and join Liverpool tomorrow he's very raw but he's working absolute wonders in for, for you know for Rangers uh, up in Scotland only conceded 3 goals in 16 matches or something it's unreal what they're doing what he's doing up there and I you know people say what you like about the competitive of the Scottish league and stuff but I think already he he loves the club um he seems to have a lot of talent. Give him a go, but most importantly, if it didn't work, then try and find a solution. Either he steps down to assistant manager or a coach or he goes away and comes back later as an assistant or something. Just give him time, but but not too much time if he if he's not if it doesn't work. So either Pep or Steven Gerrard. It's a very good question though. What about you, Doug? Um <sighs> You
3: see, like Stephen Gerrard is doing absolute wonders at Rangers this season. Uh, there are, you know, similarities. You know, like Celtic are really, really struggling in in this in the Scottish league. Like I, I would, I'm obviously a big, big follower of Scottish football. Obviously supporting Livingston, who, you know, are having a bit of a bad season. But like Stephen Gerrard is a very, very good manager he's got Gary McAllister there as his assistant I, I think he's I think he's doing a great job at Rangers I just don't think he would want to leave yet I still think he's got a bit of unfinished business to attend to and I think looking at obviously I think he's going to win his first trophy as Rangers manager this season uh whether that be a league cup or obviously you know the league you know they're 14 I think they're 13 points clear of Celtic right now um I, I'm with Jamie. I'm with you as well um, on on Pep Linders. I, I think look, we've obviously seen what Pep Linders can do. Um, you know, he's he's done the I think the FA Cup conferences and he's done the League Cup conferences. There is a guy you'd be very, very um, you know confident in as well. Like he he looks like he could step up to be a a number one uh, as well. Um, f- funny that Jamie mentioned about Nagelsmann. F- uh, the the game against Manchester United when he was at Old Trafford, I've never seen someone turn up look what look, looked like a fancy dress suit. It looked <laughs> like he was going to like a, a fancy dress dinner or something. It didn't look like he was managing a, a football team. Um, so did he,
1: he come? To, did he come as a donkey? What, what, like a pantomime horse? What was it? <laughs> I, I honestly don't
3: know, but I've never seen a, as blue a suit as he actually wore on that
2: day. <laughs> It was it was yeah, as incredible. It it looked spray on, didn't it? it? looked like it was I remember that. It looked like it was sprayed on. And, <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he wasn't wearing socks either, which I'm um, always wearing <laughs> on.
1: Yeah, okay. Well he's he's definitely disqualified from, from from all reckoning for those fashion choices. What about you, Brian? Who would you choose?
0: Well, listen, this is a little bit left field, um, so I'm not sure if you agree with me, but I think Jamie Redknapp could do a great job for us
1: no you're you're joking <laughs> no, yeah, course, I'm <laughs> God I thought you uh, there was a there was a t- you know not point two percent chance that you could have been serious then <gasps> i I was terrified
0: uh yeah, no, I don't know to be is the answer i mean i think uh, I'm with you on pep he, 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 I've only read amazing things about that guy for for as long as he's been at the club and but my but then again, but sometimes num- you have these amazing world-class number twos and not every single, not all of them make the transition uh, into being the main man. Um, S- Steven Gerrard just looks like he just looks like he hasn't even missed the beat. Um, you know, moving into management, I know it's ranges and not to be dismissive of Scottish football or that. It's still hard. You've got to, you still got to uh, win your games. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, believe that Rangers were behind the the eight ball when he took over and it looks like they're running things up there now and as you say that his record up there in this current season I, I checked it out when he qualified for the next group of the Europa and I looked at the, 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 the tables in Scotland I was like wow I mean really just dominating up there so um it'd be out of pepper Stevie G they seem to be the obvious Choices out there at the moment. Oh, another thing is that I just wanted to mention: if you're going to get a statue built of you, I want a plaque outside the away lavatory or something, you know, (laughs) Baz's Fab Pisser or something, because I did also say Fabinho is a centre back.
1: Absolutely, yes, absolutely.
0: I don't want a statue, but just a small plaque, you know, maybe.
1: No, you could be on the statue, both of us dancing. Uh, would be great. Yeah, that would be absolutely superb. And you also need a, you need some kind of commemorative rosette for your Diogo Jota call. Because I hear so many podcasts and so many people saying, uh, you know, that uh, Diogo Jota, we didn't know he would be that good. But Brian called it ages ago. Anyway, Jamie, sorry, you wanted to come in? Yeah, um, one manager, actually, that I
2: didn't think of um, in my first answer that I think would be a good shout, especially in a couple of years time, um, and I think he'd be willing to come to us, is uh, Hansi Flick the current Bayern manager.
1: Good call. Now, I think,
2: I think he, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a certain cycle at Bayern Munich. You know, you don't stay there for, you know, I can't think of many managers that have stayed at Bayern Munich for, for 10 years. Um, and I think, you know, maybe when 2024 comes around, that'll be the end of that cycle at Bayern Munich for him. Um, He looks like he's done a great job there so far. Maybe, you know, another manager coming from German football to English football. He might be a really good shout when, when 2024 comes around
1: great uh, great call yeah absolutely yeah brilliant stuff okay let's um thank you very much for those questions again from the listeners if you want to send us a question you can send on twitter at cop on podcast or cop on podcast at gmail.com now let's get into the to the to the um i was gonna say the meat and the sandwich but uh, i'm more or less vegetarian these days so let's get into the the uh it's not as exciting though is it as as sort of um you know a good steak sandwich but it's i don't know the halloumi in the midst of the of the bread um uh, we're going to go through um yesterday's match unbelievable match liverpool 4 Wolverhampton wanderers nil the sheep in Wolves clothing. I was absolutely terrified before this match. I did think we would win, but I predicted a 4-3 humdinger. We scored four in the end, but uh, they they got absolutely diddly squat. Um Brian, uh how did you feel before the match when you saw that lineup without Jota?
0: Um I'm always, uh, I'm always confident when we play uh, at Anfield and uh, especially with the fans being back for the first time. And uh, as I've mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned on the pod, but I've definitely mentioned in our in our WhatsApp groups that uh, Nico has totally won me over. His performances of late have been uh, really, he's really stepped up and um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I felt pretty comfortable. I, You know, um, Wolves are a formidable opponent and uh, they're really going to uh, put your team uh, to the test. And I think we um, we handled them very well. And the the, the the fringe players or the the young players who've stepped in, uh, to a man right across the board, they just did... An amazing job yesterday, an absolute amazing job. And Nico Williams, man, just let, let me, because I feel like I've gone really hard on Nico on previous occasions. So I have to really make a point of saying just how well he performed after that ridiculous yellow card after two minutes. His first tackle of the game, young player and that absolute numpty of a referee who's got a face that you just want to punch um, brandishes the yellow card. for. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but I just thought it was nothing. Uh, nothing tackle he could have just had a chat with him and said look lay off lay off that but immediately he he brandishes a bloody yellow two minutes into the game I just thought it was nonsense um so yeah so to answer your original question um I, I was up for it you know it was the as Jürgen would say the salt in the soup was the was the fans being back in the stadium and I just loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was a great, great game to watch.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was, it was terrific. It turned out absolutely terrific, but I was a bit worried. Uh, But as you say, 4-0, it was a super performance. The crowd were back. If you're going to look back to yesterday, Doug, and you just think of, you know, what, what are the first um, really positive moments that come into your mind, Doug?
3: Uh, The performance of Curtis Jones. I mean, Curtis Jones for me is just getting better and better and better. And, the thing is, now I, I've I said I said that I've said this on a couple of occasions. Um, I, I did did a few uh, did a few post-match um, uh, you know uh, reaction shows last night. Curtis Jones is probably one of the first team names on the team sheet right now, um, and that's not bad coming from you know someone who you know has literally broken into the Liverpool team this season. Um, I I thought Genie Vinaldo was absolutely fantastic. I thought the the front three were very, very good yesterday. Bobby Firmino, some of those some of those players that you were doing nutmegs on have got families, mate. Uh, <laughs> the mountain nutmegs. I mean I, I mean obviously I I don't know what don't know what you guys were watching on um like Amazon Prime or, or, or something like that, but Ali McCoy certainly enjoyed the uh the uh, the nutmegs from uh, Roberto Firmino, but I thought it was an absolutely fantastic performance, and you know we have to mention big you know Kelleher as well, his his Premier League debut, and he did not look out of place either, so I was very very happy, and I can't remember the last goalkeeper the Liverpool, last Liverpool goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet on his Champions League debut and his Premier League debut, so you know Kelleher was absolutely fantastic but it was a fantastic performance from everybody yesterday there were probably six or seven man of the matches you could have given it to yesterday it was a brilliant
1: performance it was indeed it was indeed and yeah Kelleher i mean shout out to him uh, we'll go through the players one by one in a bit but um just the fact that he's conceded i think uh, 16 goals in three games, yeah, a five and a five and a six in, in the League Cup and uh, I, I can't remember the other one, against West Ham, Arsenal and there was um, a sort of under-23 Cup game, the, what I can't remember what the heck they call it these days, the FA Trophy, somewhere like that, where he conceded six against Wigan uh, and then he's, you know, Champions League and Premier League, no worries compared to the League Cup and the... Uh, F.A. vase or whatever shit they call it. <laughs> no, wonderful stuff. Um, Jamie, I'm going to, one of the major positives from yesterday was the crowd coming back. Um, as I just want to say about the crowd, I loved the way that even before the match they applauded when the players took the knee and compare that to the miserable, I'm going to use the words fuckheads in Millwall, who booed people taking the knee? Basically, because they are, you know, anti. Oh, I don't know. What are they? Pro racism? They're anti anti racism? They're they're anti respect? Well, if they're the if that's the case, then they're just a bunch of fuckwit faces uh, Excuse my language, but there's only certain words that will will uh, sum up those. F- idiots for me but anyway the crowd is back and they were on superb form Jamie I'm going to ask you as a native of the wonderful city of Liverpool how did it feel for you to have them back and what sort of impact do you think they made
2: yeah, yeah it was great you could see it, it just it just meant something else to, to the players as well you know <clears throat> uh, they were all talking about how they were, they were made up to be warming up in front of fans you know you saw you saw Joe Matip's celebration when he scored you know you saw the emotion in that, you know he was he was right right up to the fans. Um, you know, you're not getting that in front of a in front of an empty house. and yeah, it was two thousand, but they made a good a good noise all night. Um, and I think they did they did have an impact. Um, you know, the applause at the start of the game was was superb. I think you know they're not they're not soft. they're not soft, daie, you know they they've they've seen what happened at Millwall and said, you know, we want to be as far away from that as possible. And as far away from that as possible is to not just respect it, it's to applaud it. And it, it was great. Uh, yeah, the crowd were, were fantastic
1: all, all game. They were making a hell of a noise. It was beautiful. It was so emotional to watch. I'm going to ask all of you about the crowd. Brian, how did you feel when you saw, you know, I don't know, just uh, you know, some of the images that come to mind when you think about the crowd yesterday?
0: Ah, uh, You know what, man? When they clapped the, the knee, uh, it just that's, that's why I'm a Liverpool fan. That's because like, obviously I don't have a Scouse accent <laughs> and football in Ireland is pretty shit. So we, so we have to, uh, growing up, but I, we have to uh, choose a team over, over the, over the water. And, uh, all, I, when I was growing up, everybody was United fans, um, in my neck of the woods. And, um, but just never, just, they just never sat well with me. And I've just always had this affinity to Liverpool and Liverpool people to, uh, so kind of socialist vibe, good, decent people and decent is the word uh, that keeps coming up over and over again. And that was such a decent thing to do, considering um, the, the fucking ridiculousness of of that other football club. I won't even mention names. I mean, I, I personally think something should be done about that club. It's just a joke. Um. So anyway, moving on from that that negative aspect. So I was really proud when they did that. And then uh, there's only two thousand of them but they made all the difference. It was night and day. It was just in orders of magnitude better watching that game, listening to the real people cheer. And I was listening to some podcasts during the week and I can't remember who it was, but somebody uh, who works as a, as a commentator in the stadiums described football without fans as basically football without adrenaline. And uh, it, it, and it is, and it just, I just, they were amazing, absolutely amazing. You could hear them so clearly, and it just it's so good to see them back and you know what if two thousand is all that's allowed back into the stadiums to the end of the season, I'd be happy with that. you know but if if it's more great, the more the merrier, but I just they did us so proud yesterday, and it's one of the reasons why Liverpool is such a special club. it's because of the fans and and, and it's the fans at the stadium, and the fans around the world take. You know, we take, our, um, we take direction from them. And, you know, and, and just the way... That they do everything special, you know, just even the buses coming and everything at Anfield is special. And it's the fans, 100% the fans. So I was just over the moon to see them.
1: Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Yeah, it's, it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Doug, give me your, your abiding memories of, of the positive uh, wonder vibes of seeing the crowd back, in, back on the cop.
3: Oh it was just wonderful i mean the uh, the, th- the thing is like you like there was only two thousand there. It felt like right at the end of the game. it felt like there was like more than two thousand. It felt more like maybe two 2- twenty thousand maybe two hundred thousand. Obviously, I'm getting away by carrying away here, but you you have to say that I've missed the feeling of Klopp doing his fist bumps. I think he's missed doing that. Uh, as well, but I thought the fans were absolutely fantastic. I thought they were, they you know sang from you know start to finish as well. Um, it's just great to have fans back, and and maybe down the line, obviously if things improve, you know you might see 4,000, you might see 6,000. You know it's little steps like that that we that we just have to see see what happens. But I thought the fans were an absolute credit, and. That's what makes Liverpool Football Club a special, special club. It is you know, it's the fans all around the world. You know, it's it's just a fantastic football club to you know be a be a part of. But I was absolutely made up for everyone who who was there last night. Uh, and uh, yeah, four 0 four 0 against Wolves. And do you know what? Like we obviously we obviously speak about you know we're we're always confident you know about winning against you know against teams at Anfield. I mean. Going into that game, I, I felt actually really confident that we would get a, a, a win. I think I said, I think I said in the, the group chat, I think I said two nil, because um, I uh, just, I just had a feeling that you know Wolves, without Jimenez, you know, he holds the ball up really well, and I think that's something that the, that, that well, they were definitely missing last night was was definitely uh, Jimenez. But the, I think the buzz from obviously you know seeing Genie scoring that. Wonder goal uh, from from him, and then obviously you know Matip scoring uh, as well. It was just it was just a br- brilliant, brilliant buzz, and I think that that's what we've missed is actually fans in the stadium. So long may it continue.
1: Marvelous stuff, yeah, and and you're right to mention Jimenez. Um, uh, yeah, this is the first cup on since that horrific injury. So just to say, you know, obviously. Uh, but for the record, nonetheless, you know, everybody at Cop on wishes him all the very, very best in his recovery. Um, let's go through the players one by one, then. Uh, we're going to start at the back with the defence, with the, uh, God knows how you spell it, because it was spelt ke double L. H-E-R on the back of his shirt. don't know if they deliberately spelled it wrong or maybe everyone else has got it wrong in history. Um, apparently you pronounce it Quiveen. Okay, Quevine, I believe I called him Quiven or something before. But Kellerher Kelleher. Um, wh- 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 As someone who's been crying out for a better number two goalkeeper since before the season started, I I could not ask for anything better than him. Um, some of my notes that I took during the game was a great handling on the 32nd minute to catch a dangerous cross. There was a dangerous whipped cross and 99% of keepers would have punched it but he got up, he dived up and he caught it. It's absolutely brilliant. Another great take of 49 minutes. There was um great sort of touch out for a corner from another uh, dangerous cross coming in from the left and he, at full stretch he just sort of tipped it behind for a corner. It was brilliant stuff and there was a good save at the near post at 79 minutes. But the highlight of Kelleher uh, yesterday for me was that fabulous save at 0-0 from Podence who tried that chip and it was glorious uh, George Best-esque chip It was going in the far corner as far as anybody can tell, but Kelleher, to sort his feet out, to run backwards, to dive backwards and just tip it around a post was absolutely freaking fantastic. Uh, Jamie, I don't know how you feel. I don't want him to go anywhere throughout his career. Obviously Allison's our number 1 for the next couple of years, but I only want to see Kelleher go out on loan and I want him under strict instructions to come back when Allison has finished and be our number 1 for at least 5 years because he's that good and I'm making uh I'm making that statement um honest after his just second major performance. He was he was brilliant, Jamie.
2: Yeah, he, he he was he was really good. Um, the, the issue is, obviously, he's, he is twenty-two, and Allison's only twenty-seven. I think so. You know, you think Alisson's probably got ten more years left as Liverpool's number one.
1: Ten more years? He can carry on till thirty-six. You, th- you think?
2: I think I, I think Allison can be, you know, um, Alisson can be our number one for the next ten years, um, and that that's a problem for for a young keeper like Kelleher because he won't want to. He won't want to sit on the bench for ten years and wait for allison that's that's pretty sure of that but I think I think you know send him out on loan next year and we'll probably get a good fee for him um next season next you know in whats it's twenty twenty one twenty two at the start of twenty two twenty three 23 um, we'll get a good fee for him if he carries on his development but yeah he did really well last night that 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 save from the chip was was top class you know it's a sign of the footwork, which is one of Allison's strong points. Has has filtered down to someone like him um, to make that save. Yeah, he was brilliant, and you know, it, I'm so glad he's playing, not not Adrian. You know, um, I think he will be our number two next season, and then it's. I think he'll actually be our number two next season, actually. Um, then, you know, as he gets a bit older, he will look for first team football, which unfortunately we won't be able to offer him in the near future, but. Yeah, great great
1: game through in last night. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, I I personally I can see Allison uh, carrying on if he carries on for another four or five years. So we just need to loan loan Keller out. and it, it just depends on how Kelleher feels if he wants to get first team football regularly. He can go he can go away on loan or it would be great if he wanted to stay as a number 2 absolutely. But he was absolutely brilliant. Um uh, uh Andy Robertson left back Brian um another 10 out of 10 performance from him um is he our player of the season so far
0: yeah i think so i would agree with that he 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 just he's taken his his is already ridiculously high level and he's pushed on to the to the to just he's he's at the absolute top his performance is amazing he just gives you 100% you know every every single game i, I watched um uh, an interview with him uh during the week that and uh he's such a good guy as well just just a joy to listen to it just seems like a, a good egg but anyway he the 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 person who was interviewing him said you know considering the the situation with the injuries that Liverpool have, do you, do you do you find yourself just holding a little bit back in the tank when you're playing because of you know how precarious everything is? And he just laughed. He said, "No, everybody knows how I play. That's I only play one way, and that's all out." And you can tell he just just puts his body on the line. Um, so yeah, no, complete ten out of ten. And just to mention the keeper as well. Oh, I completely agree with you. He's my choice and he's a Cork lad as well and those guys are just cool as fuck. <laughs> Nothing faces them. And I believe he played as a striker early on in his career and he played in the mid. He's good with both feet. Um I mean, what a great understudy for uh for um Allison. Um but yeah, get back to Robbo. <sighs> genius 10 out of 10 clearly 10 out of 10
1: yeah great stuff I mean a a few stats for you he had two key passes um, eight crosses 89.1% passing accuracy which is unbelievable uh, 60 from 64 passes defensively he had two tackles um it was just all round. Yeah, the pace, the trickery. I love the fact that he was, you know, at the back a couple of times. It's the way he sort of shimmies out of trouble when he's in, sort of near the corner flag, near our goal line. And he does it regularly. He sort of wriggles and shimmies. He's so tricky. And he's absolutely fabulous. Um, uh, So, yeah, Andy Robertson at left back. Joel Matip um, managed to score a goal. And there's nothing, you know... I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful to see a goal, with, with him striding forward, he strides like Godzilla strides out of the sea, when he goes forward. Doug, um, Joel Matip, what did you make of his performance with a ninety-five point seven percent passing accuracy from, how many passes? Uh, Seventy passes. He was he was sublime, Doug.
3: Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, again. The thing the thing is that. I think the thing is now with, with, with Matt tip, I think the thing with what we're doing with him, I think we're playing him game by game. You know, I think we definitely need to wrap him up and call him because we we know about his, you know, his injury record, et cetera. But um, just ever since he's been in the team, I think, I just think he's been absolutely fantastic. And, Great to see him get a on the score sheet, uh, It really, really was. It was a great cross from uh, Salah. A ball to be, a ball for anyone to want to be finished uh, yesterday, and very um, great finish. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought Matip was absolutely fantastic, and you know, him and Fabinho have actually, you know, got a really good, you know, partnership going. Go in there uh, as well. Just just one thing on, um, just one thing on uh, obviously Kelleher, and this is a question to all, all three of you, could you guys see Adrian potentially leaving in January?
1: Uh, it would make sense because he's, um, he's only got six months left. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you guys think of it, Brian or Jamie.
0: I think, um, I mean, Adrian has gone on record how much he absolutely loves life at Liverpool. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's a, it's as a as a footballer if you're ever going if you're going to be at a club and you're not in the team Liverpool's got to be one of the best clubs in the world to be not in the team because you're with Klopp you you've got these fantastic facilities and uh I mean he's at the end of his contract. I it was me and I was in a situation there's nowhere I'd go anywhere in January. I would just I would hang it out for for to the end of the
1: contract and see it see the lay of the land. Yeah, it's interesting. That's another perspective, absolutely. I mean and you yeah, know, we've gotta say something very brilliant on social media and also you could sort of tell by his body language the grace in which he has accepted kelleher stepping in front of him in the pecking order has been absolutely superb so hats off to adrian for you know being a real gentleman and a real sportsman and just saying yeah i support you Quivine kelleher with with your um you know opportunity in the first team so that's absolutely superb Herb. But let's go back to, to to the defense. We've got two more defenders to talk about: Fabinho and Nico Williams, who Brian talked about a little bit before. Um Jamie, Fabinho, he had uh, just one tackle, according to whoscored.com, and no interceptions. Uh, I seem to remember him making about five interceptions, but there you go. Five clearances, which was the most in the team. Uh, Passing-wise, Fabinho was on 93.6% passing accuracy from 78 passes, but it was his general... Uh, dominance that I I really liked. He was just sort of moving around dominating stuff. There was that moment where he tackled Connor Cody on 57 minutes uh, and a wonderful hooked clearance on 79 minutes. Um, Anything that went near him got dispatched Jamie Um, I could not be more thrilled uh, not just because people are currently chipping away at marble blocks making statues of me because I called it Um, I just cannot be more thrilled with the form of Fabinho Fabulous Tavares.
2: He dictates the the tempo in which um, much like Virgil does he, he dictates the tempo which opposition teams attack which is remarkable especially if someone's stepping back in there. You know, you watch the way Virgil Van Dijk does it. He he, like he, he sort of ma- he makes the forwards think so much about the way they attack. And Fabinho starting to do that himself. You know, he's he's making the the forwards make decisions they wouldn't normally make. Um, the way he controls the back line, he, he's he's playing so well back there. Um, and all I'll credit to him. All credit to the manager as well for go- for 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 sticking him in there. You know, he'd never played a game at centre back before um before Bayern Munich last season. When uh, not last season, season before. He'd never played a game at centre half. He'd played a bit at full back, um, for Brazil and Monaco, but he'd never played at centre half. But he he's done he's done superb and like say he's 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 making attackers think he's as good as Virgil van Dijk. Now he he's in their heads as much as Virgil is.
1: It's brilliant point. It's a brilliant point. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's, he's dominating like Big Verge back there. It's unbelievable stuff. Um, Nico, Nico Chico Williams. Uh, someone sent me a clip of the Argentinian commentator getting very excited and calling Nico Williams Chico. I love it, Chico Williams. Um, what did you make of him, Doug? Uh, at the back, he was untroubled. He was one of the, one of the people I was worried about before. This is this is the avenue that I thought. Uh, wolves could go down and they tried, bless them, you know, with NATO, um, and then they could switch it over and they tried that in the second half, Adama Traore. And uh, Chico Williams was absolutely untroubled. Great support from the fans. And, you know, as Brian mentioned earlier, an unbelievable reaction to being booked early on. Uh, talk to us about Nico Williams, Doug.
3: Oh, I mean he's just he's just getting better and better um, I, like obviously we know about, obviously about you know his mistake at uh, Brighton and you know everyone can forgive him about that but it's just his all round play and the fact that he you know he got his, he got his early old card, and I have to agree with what Brian said it was an absolute shocking decision by Craig Pawson to book him for his first tackle it was ridiculous ridiculous decision for that but um you know going down on the right hand side he looks so good this season and he's only going to get he's only going to get better and obviously with trent you know coming back in you know he might find his first team options uh, limited but the thing is you've got a good competent right back now you know as cover for for trent so but nico williams you know I, I've said it for ages, he's going to be you know, Wales's first choice right back at some point in the, in the near future um, as well. But he is getting better and better and better. And I love the fact that that Argentinian commentator called him Checo I love that. I just, I just, I just think he is—he is going to be a fantastic um, fullback in in the future. But no, another fantastic display last night. Not bad for someone who, you know, got a yellow card after two minutes. Superb.
1: Superb. Not bad for someone who Brian so, uh, so roundly slated a couple of weeks ago. I'm only joking, Brian. Um, but uh, no, the um, uh, yeah, Nico, um. What else they I going to say? Oh, yeah, he's, he's actually started the last couple of games for Wales and he he has been brilliant, which is why, um, you know, I've been defending him all season because I could see the player that's, that's there and he's 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 really, really, really solid and I'm delighted that he's a red. Um, moving into the midfield, uh, I'm going to start with Gini because for me, he was the man of the match. I loved his performance. There was one moment where you know, typical Genie Wijnaldum this, there was this ball that was, you know, it ricocheted and it spooned up into the air um, around about, well, midway between the halfway line and the edge of our books. And one of these, you know, spooned up, Footballs in that position can be really dangerous for the defending team if they're reasonably close to the goal, and it was quite central. Um, What Genie did, of course, was he used his body to make space to take to be able to take a first touch. His first touch was absolutely banging. It brought the ball under his spell, under the Genie's, uh, you know, magic. And then he played a very simple one-two with Hendo to get out of trouble, to get out of the trouble that Wolves were sniffing around. Um, And then he played another very simple pass to Curtis Jones and Curtis Jones played the long pass. And the commentator was like, wow, what a great long pass by Curtis Jones without even mentioning or even noticing the brilliance of Gene of He looks, he makes things look so simple Um, And Jamie, I'm going to come to you about Jeannie Vine-Adam because I was also doing some research before this podcast. Now, um, we were talking about um, the uh, price of a new contract for Jeannie. Um, I think we need to offer him a lot. Um, The cost of a kidney in the United States, if you were to sell through legal channels, a kidney, is 262,000 US dollars, which according to Google in in today's currency exchange rate is 197,423 British pounds and 55 pence. Um, I reckon we can club together uh fifty two Liverpool fans around the whole world, considering there are you know millions of us, jamie, and we can all donate a kidney um and get him on at least one year contract where he's on you know one hundred and ninety seven thousand four hundred and twenty three pounds and fifty five pence uh would you give a give a kidney to see him sign that new contract, and how good was he yesterday
2: um I don't think we should we should encourage such extremist measures i would um but you know, it the thought is the thought is there. Um <laughs> he he was excellent, you know, he 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 just he just knows what to do. That's the I don't know it's really simplistic, but he just he just follows the instructions that the manager gives him almost to the letter it seems, because he wouldn't play every week if he wasn't. Um he's so press resistant, you know, it's so hard to dispossess him. Um I think he lost the ball once all night um like in the possession. I think he was only dispossessed once. Um he, he's just he's just brilliant. He's just the best thing about him is is his availability. You know, you cannot there's no substitute for it. It's all it's all well and good being, you know I'm not one of his biggest fans, but it's all well and good being as Santa as navigator. But if you can't get on the pitch, what's the point? And Genie Wijnaldum's always able to get on the pitch and that's you just cannot underrate that sort of that commodity availability. It's and it's what the manager wants as well. If you're no matter how good you are, if you're not available to him all the time, he won't just put you back in when you when you fit again. He 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 needs to know you're going to be there ninety nine percent of the time.
1: It's yeah, it's a great point. I mean, James Pierce, the the fantastic James Pierce, um, tweeted that Genie Van is a machine. This is his. 11th successive start for club and country over the past 5 weeks so that's including the fact that you know it's an international break for us Liverpool fans but the international players have to play that he's had no breather and James Pearce said he's absolutely relentless he's going to be very very tough to replace is is genie and we've got to say his goal was superb as well unbelievable um Brian you can talk about someone in the midfield. You can talk about Jeannie Vianaldum. I'll give you some, uh, some stats from Jeannie for the moment. Hang on, Georgina uh, at 97.6% passing accuracy from 42 passes, um, which is crazy. Uh, defensively, he had uh, one interception, but I don't trust who scored for this, one clearance, uh, they gave him 7.97 overall, he had one shot, of course, the absolute beauty, Um, but Brian I'm going to open this up, you could talk about Genie, you could talk about Hendo, or you can talk about the marvel that is young, Curtis.
0: I would like to talk about Hendo, uh, because I was just, I mean Genie goes without saying, unbelievable. Unbelievable. The best the best uh, thing I could say about Genie is his play is so good, I think it goes over most people's heads. It's so he's so good at what he does people don't know what they're looking at half-time. Um he's so good. And as Jamie says, he's all, he's always available. Um but yeah, Hendo. Uh, really for the first time. Well, not for the first time, I've I thought this before, but it was really uh hallmarked last night. Um I can tell. If you just showed me his legs, I would know who that was. Just the way he str- he struts around the park now. He's very Stephen Gerrard-esque in his absolute plomb. There's a commanding presence about Hendo now. It's like he is totally, he is the conductor. He is really driving things on that football pitch. And anytime he's out there... Maybe with the exception of when Thiago had that uh, that uh, short piece of you know beauty for us when he got onto the pitch, Hendo was the best guy on the pitch every single time, and I was just watching him. He was he was turning up everywhere the team needed him to be uh, uh, last night, and he was just so clever, so commanding. Um, I, I remember I was I think it was the training either this game or the game previously, it was on uh, LFC.TV and some of the kids came out and it was obviously freezing in in Liverpool and they were all like you could see the steam coming out of their nose and they were like putting their hands up to their face but Hendo just strolled out as a captain, not showing a single thing. And uh, e- even last night when we scored it, I'm not sure if it was the second goal or the third goal because there were so many goals. I just I just lost track of them after a while. Uh, whilst everybody is celebrating, he was straight over to the manager getting instructions, um, you know, figuring things out. And oh, just to see see his uh, where he's come from, and uh, you know, particularly because well, old whiskey knows had his had his or about him early doors. Magnificent to see him. Um, uh, just every, you know, we, we talk about Genie being available and knowing what you get with Genie, but I just can't remember the last time Hendo's had a bad game for us. You know, if, if it wasn't injury related, the, the only time I can vaguely remember is when he had his heel injury and it took him a little bit, uh, it took him a while to kind of get back into the swing of things. But he's such a good captain. And my God, that guy was given the impossible job the absolute impossible job. I kind of liken it to when Alex Ferguson left Man United, you know, no manager, no matter how good they were measured up to him after, after he left. And it was just a disaster. The same with Stevie Gerrard. That's really should be the case. And Steven Gerrard, you know, captain Liverpool, whoever's taking that job after him is screwed. And for a while, Hendo was screwed. People didn't respect him. You know, he was unfancied. He came from Sunderland. Um, but man, has he won people over? So uh, I just thought pff, magnificent again yesterday.
1: The word I used a couple of episodes ago, and I'm sticking by it, is monster. He has absolutely become a monster, uh, Jordan in midfield. Um, Doug in midfield. You mentioned the marvelous Curtis uh, before. You can talk about him, or you can add to what the others have said about Hendo or Genie.
3: Oh, I mean, like if you if you remember you remember January 2014 Brandon Rodgers was about to sell Jordan Henderson to Fulham and we were going to get Clint Dempsey in return thank goodness that did not happen because Jordan Henderson for me he's probably going to become one of the probably the most successful Liverpool captains there there's ever been I think um I thought I thought his all round play was fantastic last night. I thought the assist to Salah was was uh, brilliant as well. Um, yeah, Curtis Jones, as I said to you before, I, I think he's one of the first team names on the team sheet now. I think he's that he's that good. He is undroppable as well. And you know, the the anticipation he had to get that goal against Ajax was absolutely superb. You know, he, he anticipates the mistake coming from Anana. Um, and you know he, he scored really really well last night uh, really well on that day but last night I just, again fantastic performance from, from Curtis Jones And you know we, it's nice to see we've actually got two scousers in the team now obviously with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Curtis Jones I thought Curtis Jones was, was fantastic but to be fair the midfield three were fantastic last night anyway but for me Curtis Jones one of the first names on the team sheet definitely
1: there were so many moments last night. I mean, that pass. Uh, we'll go. We'll go on to talk about the actual goals. But that pass out to Trent before Trent's wonder ball um, came after a shimmy. It was he. He was brilliant yesterday. He had eighty-one passes in total. Curtis Jones, ninety-five point one percent passing accuracy. Ninety-five point one percent. I know Genie had ninety-seven point six percent. They're all crazy stats. Jordan Henderson had 91%. 91% is still fabulous. But 95% in your fourth start for the club, is it's, it's, I think we've got someone who, who is a potential Ballon d'Or winner. On our hands at age 19 obviously not yet obviously anything can happen uh, I don't know what's gonna happen in five years but let's say for example a 24 year old Curtis Jones if he's that good already with so many things that he has to learn it's scary his potential is absolutely scary uh, moving forward I'm going to give you um, a choice of who to talk about uh, from the front three. Kloppo went with the classic Salah, Firmino, and Mane. Uh, Jamie, who, who what are the the best moments that stood out to you from the front three? I thought they were all brilliant.
2: Um, I I really want to give a special shout out to Bobby. You know, the way he played last night was—it's just a reminder just how how important he is. You know, his link-up play was was outstanding. There was that little that little passage of play where he got fouled and he nutmegs the, the player and, you know, sometimes he was playing passage on the edge of the centre circle, um, coming in, linking up playing, laying it off again. He just makes everything tick and, and, you know, people have talked about his goal output, but, you know, I, just, I think it was the right decision not to play Jota last night. Um, purely because, I think we'll, I don't think we want to, we want to burn the lad out too quick. I think he still needs to get up to Up to speed with just how intense our game is, you know. He's come from Wolves, where, you know, last night um, they were a little bit, little bit more intense than the usual. But normally it's a very set structure at Wolves. You know, everyone has a certain job, and there's not really much overlapping jobs at Wolves. Um, You know, it's sort of you stay in your position and you do what you're doing. Whereas he's come to Liverpool and he's got to adjust to, you know, being a lot more dynamic. Um, so it was. I think it was the right decision to leave him out, um, especially because he's played against a lot of them. You know, th- th- he he might not have been as effective um, against a lot of the players that he's played with in you know all six months ago. Um, but Bobby, yeah, special shout out because I just thought he was. He was brilliant, as good as Mo and Sadio were. I side, he was just—he was just excellent all night.
1: And can do you remember the karate kick, Jamie? That karate kick pass.
2: It was—it was lovely, wasn't it? He just—you know—the vision to be able to pull that off. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, to, to see that pass and then to execute it the way he does is—is is superb. There's not many other forwards in the in the league that could play a pass like that. You know, there's probably Harry Kane, and that—that's where the list ends that can play passes
1: like that. I'm afraid Jamie I'm going to have to um generalize a little bit. I don't like generalising, but I would suggest that you've only said Harry Kane because you're an Englishman. And I don't think Harry Kane could get up that high to karate kick like the Brazilian samba man himself.
2: I don't mean the kick I don't mean the kick itself. I mean playing that kind of you know a pass
1: Oh of that like vision that, yes I totally vision. agree he has fantastic there's, vision. It's only Kane. really
2: him that can drop into those positions. I can't think of another centre-forward in the country playing in the Premier League.
1: In that case, I'm with you, exactly. But I can't imagine Harry Kane pulling it off with such, uh, such style as, as Bobby, uh, Bobby Dazzler. Um, um, I'm a little bit annoyed, though. Uh, I don't know if I'm being unfair. A little bit annoyed that I didn't hear the Mo Salah song. Because Mo Salah had uh, three shots, it was the most in the team. He had uh, two on target. He scored. He got an assist. He got he he had two dribbles, which was the most in the team. Not many. Uh, you know, Klopp doesn't like dribbling, as we've mentioned before. Um, his passing was absolutely superb. Forty-five passes compared to Bobby Firmino's twenty-nine, and Mohamed Salah had eighty-eight point nine percent passing accuracy. There was a moment where uh, I don't know if you if you noticed this, Brian, about Mo Salah when um, the the Felix, whatever his name is, the Wonder Kid. Is it Felix from Wolves who's only 18 years old and all the Wolves fans have been talking about him and uh, Portuguese uh, football uh, fans have been talking about this this kid as the wonder kid and Salah just sort of held him off for a good sort of 10 seconds and then he laid off the ball and he sort of tapped the guy on the back, uh, the young kid as if to say, well, there you go, son, keep learning Uh, because Mohamed Salah was absolutely phenomenal yesterday.
0: Yeah, no, he was. Uh, that Felix lad looks like a bit of a unit when he came on. I'm like, holy shit, that guy's well put together for a kid. Um, but yeah, I think the the chance, uh, sure, look, I, I, I think uh, but Bobby got his name sang because I think there's a feeling around the club that, you know, he, he needs a G up and we all, we all want to know, let him know that we're supporting him regardless of what you know the the impressions that some people might have of his lack of goals and then i think mané got a chance because he was uh, because he just scored i don't know it seemed like a relevant uh, thing to happen in the game but yeah you're right i mean i didn't hear mo's name being sung by the 2000 yesterday but he looked good for me he looks he looks really hungry and he at this the last few games for me mo particularly this game he seems he seemed to be on the ball more uh, than previous games, and he just seems to um, being less. I won't say selfish, but he's more more holistic play to his game. It seems to be like he's not just totally the focal point, or he doesn't get the ball and just thinks right. I'm going to run straight at defenders and just put them on toast. um I thought he was exceptional, really, really good, and just I mean you can't get that guy off the ball. He's so strong. Um, but yeah, no, he's just—he—he he looks like he's—he's he, he's going to destroy a team soon. One of these games coming up, a game within within five games, he's going to have—he's going to score three or four goals. I can tell because
1: he's really he seems like he's really in the mood, and he's—he's he's very sharp at the moment. That's a good call, and we'd love to see it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, his part, i mean, that passing accuracy again, being eighty-eight point nine percent. I mean, I know in a sense, Wolves—you know—maybe they gave up after two 0 or something, but. Anything above seventy five percent for an attacker is really good. Bobby Firmino had seventy nine percent. Sadio Mane had eighty percent, and they both played exceptionally well. But Mohamed Salah eighty nine percent. It blows my mind, Doug. It really does. But Sadio Mane, Doug, Sadio, um, he was excellent. He was terrorizing defenses. But should he have scored? I mean, no goals for Sadio Mane in the last six games. Is that a cause for concern or not? Um, I think,
3: I think. Look, I think Manny was very unlucky not to, you know, score last night. Um, obviously, it has gone down as a Shamedo own goal. I mean, that guy does not like Anfield. Let's just put it that way. Uh, played in a Barcelona side who, on that famous four-nil uh, that night, and um, you know he played in a 4 0 defeat for. For Wolves. So, you know, he'll he'll be having nightmares of, of Anfield, no no doubt about that. But um the thing is, like Bobby Firmino well on a similar sort of, you know, run of, you know, with a few games without a goal. Uh Manny Manny's is, is continuous, continuously dangerous uh whenever whenever he's he's playing as well. And I think I think he gave uh Wolves a real torted time last night. But is that cause for concern? I think the goals will start to go again for Manny. Um I just think he, I I just think the you know the front three really clicked again yesterday and but we 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 all we all know you know the the, the quality that you know Sadio has in his game but uh, no I think I, I think as as Brian said we well, obviously Salah you know I think he'll probably start to you know score again uh, he, he may he may get a goal against Fulham, you you, you know you, you you don't know about that, but uh, no, I I don't I don't think it's a cause for concern because I think Bobby's gone on a bit of a similar sort of run, um, but no, I think I, I think the goals will start to flow for uh, for for Sadio very very soon. And just quickly on Mo Salah I reckon he could potentially be getting towards maybe the 30-40 goal mark this season the way he is going. He's been absolutely terrific so far this season. So, but no, I don't think it's a cause for concern for Manny. Not, not at all.
1: Very reasonable answer, and I, I would agree. He's still getting in the positions, as they say, to score. So, I mean, you know, it's a matter of time before they they start, you know, actually going in again. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're a terrific front three. Uh, the goals themselves. Uh, the first goal, Mo Salah. Uh, Jamie um, it was against the run of play because it was our first shot on target I thought we didn't start so well Wolves had four shots to our one that was off target they had four shots and one on target but then Mo uh, came up with the goal and it was a Connor Cody mistake Um, what did you think of that goal
2: yeah it was just it was a great bit of anticipation from him um, you know to it was a bit of a, it was a really bad error from Cody. He should just be heading that away. He should be trying to take it down on the chest, not when he knows there's someone as good as Mo that close to him. Um, but that's what that that's what he's he's turned himself into. You know, you, you think back to 17, 18, and it was all about cutting him from the right hand side and putting it bending it round the keeper. But that's not really his his goal anymore. You know, that's not his trademark. Um, it's goals like this that we're becoming more accustomed to. You know, where he's capitalising on errors and he's, you know, yeah, he's, he's still he's still probably our best forward. Um, you know, I don't think that's ever changed. Um, as good as Sadio Mane has been for the last couple of years, um, I still think Mo's the best one. Yeah, uh, it, it was an excellent goal. Really good finish as well. Good and composed. You know, it's one thing anticipated the error it's then realising it it's happened same it as Curtis Jones in midweek it's one thing anticipating it but then executing what comes next is just as important so yeah it was a brilliant goal
1: I agree and it's very interesting to note that he didn't, uh, he didn't actually look at the goal once he just sort of took a touch and then whacked it in and he didn't even need to see where the goal was. He already knew uh, wonderful instincts from Mohamed Salah. 84 goals in 131 Premier League games. Whereas it took uh, the wrong Ronaldo, not the right Ronaldo. Uh, eighty-four, um, 196 games, excuse me. 196 games to get to 84 goals. So Mohamed Salah, 131 games. Way better than that pretender. Um the second goal, Eldum, um, that wonderful finish, it came not even a minute after Fabinho's amazing tackle on Connor Cody, who had an absolute nightmare. Um, uh, but I'm glad he had a nightmare after that stupid dive that maybe we'll get into soon. Um, it was a beautiful goal, Brian. Um, what do you remember about the goal?
0: I remember just being in awe of that goal it was the way he he just bended it uh, top corner or I don't know if it was top corner but he just put it just fingertips outside of the reach of the goalkeeper but my like I was laughing and celebrating but I was I suspended my celebration just a tad because I just thought the run of luck we've been having lately with ridiculous refereeing decisions I just thought because for a split second I thought uh, I thought there's maybe a slight chance he may have been offside um, but then when they showed back the um, and but when he was celebrating afterwards I was like oh, no it's definitely not offside he just does no way he would celebrate like that <laughs> that lovely uh, I don't know why that's uh, somebody's written online where that comes from but that's one of the best celebrations I've seen for a long time the kind of the, the It's Virgil's
1: beard, yeah Is it? Yeah. Oh
0: that's the best oh that's even better now <laughs> and the big man was in the is in the crowd as well Ah, uh, oh it's just a thing of beauty i mean he, the, oh, that goal was just perfect and uh, the angle you saw it going in it was just beautiful as well so yeah thoroughly loved it but i i had a muted celebration initially because there was a small part we thought that maybe it might be slightly offside. but then when i saw the replay i thought no let he's clearly on so that was brilliant
1: it, excellent answer yeah no so good so good uh, credit to Hendo and Bobby for for starting that break we got a bit bit lucky with the With a deflection, but then, yeah, the choice that it was the choice that Genie made to actually keep going and not make the pass to the two runners he had outside because it was the best choice to actually take the shot on and try the curler because the defenders had just sort of ignored him. And you ignore Genie at your peril. Uh, The third goal, there's not really much to say about it in that it was a short corner play to Mo Salah, who's, I, I mean, it was a thunderous cross. Right onto Godzilla's forehead, because he does remind me of Godzilla the way he strides forward and, and his destructive jaw matter. I love the guy um so I'm going to move on to the fourth goal, which for me was was a marvelous thing um Semedo, of course, had the last touch uh it was the kindest thing it was the only thing he could do. Uh, because of that pass with Trent. And forgive me for going off on one here, but I'm, I've, I've, there are so many things, I think, about this this goal. First of all, if you pause it, Curtis Jones makes a fantastic pass, as I've mentioned before, to Trent. We all saw it. If you watch it back, if you don't remember. And then Trent gets the ball Um he's running forward, he's got the chance to play a pass, and if you pause it at that moment, okay, pause all of the action, go to a bird's eye view of that action, okay, and then print it out, so you've got this printed piece of paper with a bird's eye view of that pitch, and you can take a ruler, or you can do it freehand because there's the tiniest bit of curl on it, and you can draw the only pass that gets to Manet uh, or Salah, the only angle where the, either the defender doesn't get it or the keeper doesn't get it, if you're going to play a pass on the ground, then Trent found it. It was absolute genius. Uh, I was listening to a brilliant podcast yesterday by Emmy about Emmy Nerter, who Einstein said was a genius. Um, Trent is being called a genius by everybody, you know, like, he's so unbelievable. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, she's good, Emmy Nota, look her up, uh, mathematician, abstract, maths. Um, another thing I was going to talk about, my brother texted me just as soon as that goal and it went in, and he was like, was that a hundred pass move? That's what he asked me. So I, I watched it back just before we started recording, and... Um, Joel Matip wins the ball on seventy-four minutes and forty-seven seconds. Okay, go and watch it. Seventy-four minutes and forty-seven seconds. By the time Sarmado scores, it's seventy-seven minutes and eleven seconds. Now, we don't keep the ball entirely for those two and a half minutes because there is one moment when Curtis tries a crossfield pass and the Wolves' left back jumps and is just able to get his head on it at full stretch, stretching every sinew. He manages to get a little header on it, um, but of course we win the second ball. There's no direction on the header, we win the second ball. So there was just that tiny header uh, was the only wolf's touch in two and a half minutes of football? Um, the Japanese have this way of of dying with honor, called supuku. Which uh, you might have been, you know, you might people. Some people get confused with Harry Carey. Basically, when you take a, a, a sword and you and you cut your intestines open, uh, and then somebody behind you cuts off your head with a with a sword, um, and this. Was kind of the football version that Sarmado did yesterday, which was the football version of Supuku, and that—that's the only thing that that could have ended that move with honour. Doug, I—I um, am in love with that goal. That is the best own goal I've ever seen.
3: That was—that was, was quite an incredible move. I mean, it was—it was fantastic from you know from start to finish and. You know that cross into the box. Uh, you know, uh, you know, M- Manny almost, you know, gets gets on the end of it. He gets on the end of it, and then obviously, you know, Shimido has to, you know, turn it into the, his own net. But um, yeah, it was a fantastic move and fantastic team goal as well. I, th- I think I think that's something we've been, you know, looking to to do. Uh, you know, we're we're not we're not like a Arsenal who, you know, want to you know pass it into the net every single t- attempt that they want to go. Go uh, go up front, and uh, you know that that's probably why they're they're sitting fifteenth. Uh, you know, Arteta is the second coming of Pep. I remember, remember Arsenal fans uh, saying that they've got the better better front three than than all of us. But um, but no, I thought the fourth goal yesterday just epitomised how brilliant a performance it was. And uh, yeah, so many passes. I actually lost count watching. Watching that, it was uh, it was so so many so many passes that that uh, that was very very good. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably one of the best own goals we've probably ever seen at Anfield. It was just incredible.
1: I I can watch it again and again and again. They, they got nowhere near us for two and a half minutes. Superb. Um, just to to just before we get on to uh, the man of the match vote, um, I've got one more question. I don't want to talk about Connor Cody, and uh, you know what a what a rat he is for going down in the box. Because if you don't even get a yellow card after a VAR review for a blatant dive, then I don't blame him for going down. I would do the same if I'm a professional and I'm in the box and I've already made a mistake. Um, so I'm not going to talk about Conor Cody and the nightmare he had. I will say that there's no way I want us to sign him uh, because I don't like these, these these players who try and cheat, even if I do understand it. Um, but I want to just focus on a positive because it is such a positive match. And it's 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 Jurgen Klopp. Um, the formation, the mentality. Uh, basically, you can choose any manner of ways to, to, to praise our manager uh Jamie, um what would you choose? I mean what what springs to mind uh the you know one element that you can praise our manager for yesterday?
2: Um it's just how seriously he he takes teams like Wolves. Um you know, I think he holds teams like Wolves and Leicester. Um, you know, we saw it a couple of weeks ago, in the same regard as he does playing um United or he does City, he takes them so seriously. And, you know, i see seen a few tipsters, um, a few pundits going around saying, as with the Leicester game, a lot of people tipped us to get beat by Leicester. Um, a lot of people tipped us to get to get beat by Wolves yesterday. Um, but I think we're very unlikely to slip up against teams like them because of how seriously the manager takes them and how respectful he is of them. So, yeah, it's it's the respect in which he approaches the game. And what you could say is, you know, He should respect everyone the same. That's great in theory, but we just know it isn't true. You know, he's not going to show Wolves... uh, Sorry, he's not going to show Fulham the same respect as he showed Wolves last night. There is absolutely no way he does that. Um, So, yeah, it's the amount of respect he shows oppositions like Wolves, which means we're very unlikely to slip up against them and drop points.
1: Um, Okay, then, let's let's, uh, very quickly then have your... Uh, man of the Match. Um, for me, I've already said it, Jeannie Wijnaldum uh, followed closely by Mo Salah. There are tons of uh, possibilities though. Robbo, Fabinho, I don't know, I could, I could name them all. Um, Doug, who, would, who are you going for? Man of the Match?
3: Uh, my man of the match is definitely Jeannie Van Elden. Uh, just his all-round play yesterday, cabbed off with a wonderful goal. Yeah, Jeannie Van Elden is my man
0: of the match.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Brian.
0: Um, because I'm a romantic, his first full Premier League debut is Kellar. I thought he was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Lad just looked like a complete... Two clean sheets in a row. he get, he. Technically, he probably doesn't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to him anyway.
1: Oh, I think he could. I think it's a very good shout. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think it was a pretty much faultless performance from him. Brilliant stuff. Jamie, what about you? Um,
2: I agree with um, Ali McCoyst, who was on commentary last night. I'd like to give it to Andy Robbo. I just thought he was, he just personifies everything that this team wants to do. And yeah, I thought he was excellent again last night. And arguably, like you said, player of the season so far.
1: Fantastic, yeah, wonderful So we got uh, three different votes We could have voted for Hendo We could have voted for Mo Salah, of course Absolutely, supremely good um,
2: Shout out to Nico Williams as well
1: Fantastic shout as well Yeah, Nico in the context of all the criticism he's taken And stuff, you know, uh, holding out I mean, Wolves fans were saying how, how brilliant Nato is And if you think about the fact that they got rid of Jota To play uh, Nato or Podence, you know And, wow, man, Nico, absolutely superb. Um, A final thing then, just a general sort of overview question um, for today. Uh, Are you worried about Spurs or Chelsea or the Manchester clubs or Leicester? Jason McAteer on LFC TV said that the cream is rising to the top. Um, I'm not sure. uh, Well, by then, I mean, maybe he's talking about he's a little bit scared of... Of the competition this season I don't know How scared are you, Brian of, of the competition You know, seeing that Spurs played Very well in a very boring Mourinho way
0: Um, They're on my radar I'm, I'm not really scared Because let's see any other team In the top six perform Like we've performed With the amount of uh, first team players out like We could literally name an entire team Of Uh, First team players who are injured right now, and yet we are still top of the league, top of our group in Europe still putting teams to the sword who um, you know uh, pundits are saying well this is going to be a test Leicester was going to be a test we wiped the floor with Leicester Wolves is going to be a test we wiped the floor with Wolves uh, and we, we're we doing it with the backup players and the kids um, and so Mourinho look let's not forget Mourinho and Spurs uh, when he had injuries to key players they had a shit season they were they finished i don't know uh what was it i i I, that season when they were on amazon prime i mean they finished outside of european places whatever I, i mean they they have a horrible i mean it's it's nice to watch i mean what he's had what he's got harry kane doing is 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 entertaining you know he's practically playing as a center back now um but you know out of all the teams That a day, I mean, you always have to keep an eye on City because City, City, and Pep's Pep, and write them off at your own peril. Manchester United, no, not for me. Nowhere near. In, they're not even in the same zip code as us. Uh, Chelsea, it's an exciting team, but I think the 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 analogy of um, uh, uh, Brent. Brendan Rodgers' uh, Liverpool team is quite a good one, and uh, they're, they're they're beautiful going forward, a lot of fun going forward. But going, when when you turn them, they they still look uh, shaky. So no, there's nobody really that um, if we can do this with this much trouble and adversity, then God. Can you imagine what we're going to be like in the new year when we have our players back, when we have Thiago back, if we can get just a bit of uh, stability, if we can get some good, decent calls from referees for a change? Uh, I can see us pulling away in the new year.
1: I love it. I love the optimism. Do you share the optimism, Doug? Are you worried about anybody? Is anybody keeping you up uh, like Vine uh, Wijnaldum's keeping me up? <laughs> um,
3: Chelsea, for me, are a funny one because like, their record against the top six is not great. Um, you know, I think I think they've obviously lost the lost to Liverpool. Um, you know, they drew with Spurs, they drew with United. Uh, I think they have still got to play Arsenal, so well, obviously they're not they're not they're not anywhere near near us anyway. Um, I think they've still got to go to Leicester as well. So Chelsea Chelsea are a funny one. Spurs, I think it all depends on their Europa League. Um, for I know, I know Obviously, there's not going to be any Europe until obviously, you know, now February. Um, but one injury to you know Harry Kane or one injury to Son, then I'd be a bit a bit worried. Um, Manchester United for me are not in the conversation. Far, far too inconsistent, and they look a really poor team without Bruno Fernandes. So uh, that that's well, that's one off the list. Leicester far too inconsistent for me. Uh, so I think as I think probably the only team to probably fear is probably Spurs. But as I've said, if Harry Kane or Son gets injured, then you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally totally worried about them. City is obviously the main one. You know, City are getting you know getting back. Uh, I think that's back to back home wins now uh, against well, uh, albeit Burnley and uh, and Fulham. Um. So for me, I think City are probably the only ones that I would really uh, Worry about and, and and I'm and Brian. If we can get a run together, I think we will start to pull away uh,
2: from the from the chasing pack.
1: Very good answer, Jamie. Are, are you in? Uh, are you of accordance, as they say in French? Um,
2: I, I, th- I don't think Mourinho takes that job if he doesn't think he can mount a challenge with them. Um, I think he'll he you know you can talk about his record at United, which actually was pretty decent um, except from the the end of it, but he's you know, he, you don't win what he's won um without without some kind of, you know, talent, you know, there's no doubt. Um I think they can maintain the title challenge. Um you know that they're, they're my biggest worry. I, I think City will will come back a little bit towards us, but I think it's between us. It's between us Tottenham and City. I think um Lampard isn't Ready yet to win something with Chelsea? I think they can. I think if there was a more experienced manager, if you put Mourinho in charge of that Chelsea team, I think they'd stand a better chance of winning the title. So, I'm less worried about Chelsea because of who the manager is. But yeah, um, I think it's still ours for the for the taking. Yeah,
1: I have to say, four out of four. I think you know, all four of us. Are, you know, we are in agreement that. It's, it's ours if we are able to get uh, players back and not lose too many players because there's one thing that is concerning is if either Fabinho or Matip get injured at this stage, um, then we're left with having to rely on Nat Phillips and, and Reese Williams. Um, and I, I like these players, but we might drop a couple of points maybe because of that. Um, but we'll see what happens, and we'll keep the faith in that uh, everything will be fine, everything will be continue to be as hunky-dory as it is on, on planet Liverpool overall. Um, so thank you very much uh, to Doug, to Jamie, to Brian, for joining me today for this, this long episode, but it's been absolutely, I mean, I could keep going for hours and hours, but uh, I'm sure you have lives to lead, and uh, in fact I do, because I've got a teach English in 18 minutes so um, thank you very much guys have a great uh, day or night wherever you are thank you